you want to bring out the best in Michael, tell him he can't do something. Or he can't do it as good as somebody else. And uh, I think that he takes it as a personal challenge to go out and do it just to prove you wrong. This is the Creative Coaching Podcast with Mike Lopez, where we showcase coaches, leaders, influencers, journeys, and experiences so you can be inspired and work to get better every day. Follow us on Twitter at CreativeCoach47, on IG at Creative Coaching Podcast. Listen on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, rate and review. We really appreciate that. So here we go. Today's guest is Brian Rosario. Coach Rosario is an assistant coach for the women's program at Pepperdine University and was recently a keynote speaker on TEDx Oxnard. We talked to him today about his journey in the game and his perspective on relational coaching. I hope you enjoy this podcast and you look to get better every day. Welcome to the podcast, Coach. Thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm excited to be here and, and have been a fan. Wonderful. Coach Rosario, I really do appreciate your time, man. Uh, I know you're busy. I know we're all busy, but I think taking the time to discuss kind of your journey, your perspective on leadership, coaching, the game, your life, all those things are so important because people don't really sometimes know, you know, we're seeing the NCAA tournament right now, right? And people are just looking at a team and saying, well, that, that team should have won. Oh, man, a bunch of losers. Those coaches, man. If it wasn't for the for the coaches, the coaches, it's their fault they lost. And but they don't know there's real people involved in this situation. And so, here again, glad to have you on uh, because I know you're part of that group of coaches and that fraternity that uh, has a life that has real feelings that has a, a real story to tell. And so that's why I have you on. So thank you for being here. Oh, I'm looking forward to this. I appreciate that. And and I think you're exactly right. All these games scores, results, um, it, it, this is the finished product of what has probably been arguably the toughest season any of us have gotten through. Yeah. Right. And, and I think these wins and losses are, are a little bit of a ripple of that. And I think that's, that's, that's a whole other podcast, right? Diving <laughs> <laughs> deeper into, sure. into all sure. that, but I, I agree. I, I think this is, this is what we kind of play for. And, and, you know, it's good to see, you know, obviously friends on both ends of it, yeah. uh, the wins and the losses, but, but this is an exciting time for these athletes to, to play the game. For sure. For sure. Now coach, I want to start off like I start every episode in that. How are you introduced to the game of basketball coming out of Oxnard, California? Yeah, well, I, I was, uh, first of all, you know, Boxnard, right? Like yeah. we're, we're known for, uh, our, our great boxers and, um, I was probably too afraid to jump into the ring. Uh, that's what got me into basketball. Awesome. <laughs> no, but yeah. you know, I, I think, you know, he, growing up here, I mean, all of us played every sport Yeah. and basketball was just one of those sports that, uh, was different for me. I think that the pace of play was different. The, you know, it was fun. It was exciting. I was a Laker fan. So it just, it matched what I was watching. And I think the biggest proponent of that was my dad coached me in every sport, but I started to see his passion yeah. for basketball as my coach. And, and I think it just took off from there. Wow. You know, I hear, I hear some stories, uh, good or bad about dad being the coach, but it sounds like you had a great experience. It sounds like it was something that 
you know, bonded you both. I know that that happened with me and my dad. My dad jumped into coaching when I was probably nine years old, nine, 10 years old and Pop Warner football and jumped into that whole sphere of, then we just be there for my kid and and then we'll see what happens with the, with the game. And, you know, that was such a bonding time for me and him. And so I'm glad to hear you had that with your dad because to me it went right. You know, there's sometimes, yeah, we went home and it was like, Hey, you know, and I was like, Hey man, not right now, give me some time to lick my wounds or something. But, but it was more affirmation than anything else. And I, and I, you well, know. that's a huge, that's a great point because I, I think for, you know, any, any athlete who plays for their coach and, and probably more in those transformative years. Right. Yeah, um, yeah. you know, my dad was, you know, he's, he's that Filipino blood from Hawaii and, you know, it's the tough love and we, we don't yeah. talk about a lot of things, but I, I tell you, I think that the game of basketball was our language of love. Wow. And it was through the game that we were able to really express ourselves. We were able to, um, go through adversities. I mean, I was this rounder, um, probably at the time, five, five kid who, you know, he was like, all right, you're going to run from this block to this block. I want you to hit the sidelines every time you sprint back and forth and just have your hands up. Right. So basically I was a forward, (laughs) right. Um, but then, you know, watching the Lakers, watching magic and, and, you know, I had to go ask him and say, dad, like, I want to be point guard. I've been, I want to work hard. I want to, I want to run the team. And he's like, you got to prove it to me. And so I I went to work and eventually proved it that I was able to kind of manage through, uh, you know, the team and, and kind of those adversities running the team as a point guard. And and I think those, those types of moments for a father and son to go through, I I think is just obviously bigger than the game, but it allowed again for us to just connect in a, in a different way. Yeah. So, on that note, Coach, your experience with the game, what was that like for you coming up? I mean, some of us here, again, you talk about what, what kind of where you were at, what level you played at, what kind of the way you saw things as a younger kid. But how did you view the game? Was it like good coaching? Did you love the game? Like, What was your experience with the, with the game? Yeah, that, so my dad, um, he became a season ticket holder with the Clippers. Nice. And so, and, and again, late eighties, early nineties, it, it was so affordable that mm-hmm. we were on the floor, wow. um, you know, at the, at the sports arena. And so I saw the game differently, but I heard the game differently. And my dad being on my coach at the time, we were talking strategy all the time. Mm. It, it wasn't so much like, wow, Jordan can like jump, spin, hang there, make a layup, you know, things like that. It was yeah. more like, did you see the back screen? Wow. And so I always gravitated towards the strategy side of, of basketball along with the X's and O's. I mean, that's what, I mean, that's what I, I it's beautiful yeah. that, that we're watching, you know, and I think we see it with, with, you know, Loyola Chicago, right. Yeah. They, yeah. their, their X's and O's are amazing. And, and I just love that and loved it at the time. Yeah, no, it attracts you. It attracts you that you can see five people who, probably aren't related for the most part who didn't grow up in the same home, didn't grow up in the same environment, come together for a collective effort that can, you know, transform things, people's lives, you know, which in the big picture, but also come out and, and improve themselves. You know, you talk yeah. about, you talk about Loyola Chicago, uh, man, shout out to Jermaine Kimbrough, one of my guys, but 
you know, it's, it's a situation where, whoa, man, you're not supposed to beat them. Well, yeah. why, why not? When, when I know what the heck I'm doing, yeah, I can beat anybody at any moment. And uh, so when, when you see that and you saw that, especially at that level, the NBA level, to be able to have that kind of insight, yeah, that's a that's fantastic. That's a fantastic way to kind of see the game and grow up around it to a degree. Yeah, and we were, I mean, we were only there for three years before it just became, you know, they, they recruit, they drafted Danny Manning, ticket prices mm-hmm. started going up, and yeah, then, yeah. you know, getting into high school and things like that just made it more difficult to get down there for, you know, 41 games. But, you know, I think there were themes back then, you know, late 80s, early 90s, where you, you know, you knew the Lakers, they were the running team. They wanted to, you know, set down screens and pins for, you know, Abdul's bar and, and mm-hmm. some backdoors for Michael Cooper. You had, yeah. you know, the Pistons that, you know, they were about, you know, setting hard screens, but getting through hard screens, right? Like yeah. they, yeah. like there were, there were these themes that started resonating with me. And I think that's what was so attractive for me to the game was just knowing themes. And then what you're saying, the, these collection of humans all putting in effort for the 48 minutes, mm. you know, and, and yeah. for college it's 40 and, you know, high school 32, but, but for that collective moment, you know, these guys were just all coming together and executing what, what their game plan was. And, and the best thing is you can see it. Yeah. yeah. And, and I love that. That's great coach. You, you're, you're saying a lot and all that. And, and I'm just here again, hearing you speak on those, you know, and those kind of, uh, I don't know. They're they're characteristics of human beings that I think people don't understand. They see it from time to time and they think that's weird. Like it's not weird. Any of us are capable of coming together and being part of a collective and and getting things done. We all have that creativity in us somehow somewhere uh to work with others. It's called sometimes it's called a job. Uh, you know, right. Stuff like that. right. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you're saying all that. Cause it does, it does bring up that point that, you know, human beings, mankind as a whole, if they decide to come together and do something great, it can be done. The limitations, right. the limitations only in, in rhetoric, in my opinion, and in just false perspectives and idealisms. So and imagination. Yeah, exactly. No, yeah, yeah. Right. And I will figure out all the world's problems after this. But uh, but my, <laughs> my, right. but my next question, Coach, is so you're talking about your dad and kind of talking over, you know, strategy, X's and O's. Would you say he was kind of the biggest influence for you to go into coaching? Or did you have some other coaches out there that kind of helped you along and pushed you along? Yeah, well, he was definitely the person who laid that bedrock, um, you know, because then I, I went on and played at Santa Clara High School. Uh, for Coach Lucianovich, was, which was at the time, he was the winningest coach in California history. Wow. Um, and so, you know, Sean Tarver went mm. through there, uh, Stevie Amar, Art Barone, Damian Contrell, you know, all these guys who ended up playing really high-level college basketball. So, you, you, so it was confirmed from my dad that I was going to get coached by someone who's very good at the X's and O's. Yeah. Now, what he taught us was just how to be you know, he, he was that, the, the linchpin between boys, the men, mm. right? Like he taught, he, he coached hard. Uh, it was very stressful <laughs> as a player uh, playing yeah. for coach. But, yeah. but at the same time, when you came out of it, you knew the game, 
you knew the intricacies of the game and, and what results can happen based on those those things, right? Like screening, passing, sprinting, just all the soft skills you need for the game. Yeah. He taught us that. And then, you know, when I, and then I, ca- I tapped out at five, eight, five, nine, uh, out of high school. So I, I knew, you know, playing wasn't a forever thing for me, yeah. but when I got to the university of San Diego, I became a practice player. So, so again, it, it was just compounded with the X's and O's because then it was about game strategies and how are we going to prepare for the next team coming in and, you know, so I, so I saw it just back to back to back. There wasn't a time when X's and O's weren't part of the game for me. Yeah. And I think the coaches throughout, so every coach under Coach C at, at Santa Clara and then at USC, Kathy Marpy, Eric Johnson, Shelly Sheets, Lakeisha Wright, Nadine, Mistrolio, like they were all just feeding me what my dad had already taught me. Nice. And so uh, I think it, you know, it's all their fault that I look <laughs> at the game differently. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, that's great that you have those coaches to kind of reaffirm and then also build upon that foundation, you know. Yeah, to, to, to right. Be, to be able to have a love for the game. And I love to teach the game. Not very many people love to teach it. People love that's to, it right yeah, there. Yeah, people, that's right. Yeah, people love to tell everybody what to do. Everybody thinks they're mm-hmm. a coach when they can just tell people what to do. Uh, but then when they realize, oh, I got to teach the game, mm, I don't have as much talent as I thought I was going to have. So now I have to teach these guys how to play. Mm, that's, that's right. It's a little tough. But, you know, a, a teacher is a teacher is a teacher. And if you can teach in a classroom, you can teach on the court. If you can teach on a court, you can teach in a classroom. It's it's all relative. And so, yeah, that's great that you were able to kind of have those experiences with those coaches because that's truly what, what kind of propels us to greatness whether we ever win it all or not. So that's great. Now your, your first, let's go to your first experience as a coach. Right. And was there a memorable moment where you felt like, Oh my goodness, like this thing is real. This is not just something, <laughs> something just for fun. Like this is for real. Anything like that. I still smell the popcorn <laughs> and hear the band play. So nice. we, so that was at McNeese state down in okay. uh, Lake Charles, Louisiana. Yep. And our first game that year was at the University of Houston. Mm. And so uh, walking down the tunnel, I mean, I'm walking with the other assistants. And and one of the assistants was Barbara Henderson, who played at LSU. Mm. So so that's something she knew, right? Like, (laughs) gee, there's a reason why her nickname, you know, for me is money, right? She's just (laughs) money. And and I was walking down and and she grabs my wrist and she was like, Miro, are you ready for this? Cause you'll never forget it. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, kept on walking it. And just like the excitement that, you know, the seeing the teams warming up as, as that tunnel gets bigger, it starts expanding. You get to see more Then then the arena starts being seen and the band is playing the, the popcorns, you know, you could smell it. Literally you can yeah. smell it. And, you know, walking over to the bench, the, uh, you know, the, the opponent, uh, Houston at the time, obviously shaking hands with them, getting down to our bench. That told me like, okay, you're here. Yeah. So don't screw it up. <laughs> and it was only game no pre- one, right? No it was pressure. only game one, but yeah, no pressure. But that, that I, I mean, I felt it then. Like, yeah. it, it, you know, yes, it was great. You know, your first practice and all that stuff. But man, that, that first college game that you're coaching in, it, it's surreal. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine like that. You, 
this, you know, they always say make the big time where you're at. But when you're brand That's new, right. when you're brand new to the whole thing, it's all big time. It yeah. doesn't, it doesn't <laughs> matter. It's like, whoa. Nope. You know, deer, nope. in a, deer in a headlight. You know what I mean? That's that's fantastic, Coach. That's great stuff. And uh, so, yeah, like my like my next question because you brought up McNeese, you brought up your first coaching experience, and and even you know down the line, all your experiences where your different stops. You know, we talked earlier about uh, Chandler Gilbert, a, a JUCO, and and uh, and all that. Like you've had so many different stops, even in the even in the Ivy League. What would you say, or I should say this? Yeah, what would you say has helped you the most? Coming from the programs you came from and not Pepperdine, how's that helped you? Well, I, I think I, I I tell everyone I lucked out. Mm. Every stop on my career prepared me for the next. Yeah, and you know from from being a practice player, it prepared me for McNeese. From McNeese University of the Cumberlands, then Cornell, then LMU, and then the youth basketball, you know, I was so confident walking in the doors as a head coach of Chandler Gilbert because of all the past experiences. And then all of those, you know, I'm able to, to really feel it here at Pepperdine. And, and I think that's the biggest thing. I I think I took a little bit of everything and, and now getting to apply it, Wow. you know, and, and I think that's, you know, if there's a message or, or a lesson for any coach out there, it's like, what are you really taking from this experience that you can apply to the next? Mm, yeah. And, you know, I was wide eyed that very first year at, at McNeese, but then I go to Cumberland and I start learning exactly what you just said. Make this big time. Melissa Irvin was amazing at fundraising so much money that we can offer an experience that was better than probably the kids were getting at McNeese. Mm, wow. You know, gear and just the travel and just everything that they got. And, and we were able to, you know, recruit nationally and bring kids in and we became a, a, you know, a top 10 team year to year. And then going to the Ivy league and having to really learn and implement the X's and O's piece. Dana Smith is one of the most amazing minds for basketball ever. I mean, she, she really taught me like, okay, now that you know what you know, you better apply it. (laughs) You better see the adjustments and whatnot. And then, you know, I I learned how to recruit at, you know, Loyola Marymount under Julie Wilhoyd and Lynn Flanagan. And and they really taught me how to manage through the recruiting process, meaning, you know, who do you look at and and what should be the, the timeline and, you know, all of the intricacies of, of that. And then I think coaching youth and, and JUCO uh, taught me that, you know, it, it really doesn't matter where players come from. You got to get to know why they're even there to help them. Wow. Right. And, and, yeah. and then here at Pepperdine, you were, we're just trying to resurrect really a sleeping giant and, and a giant who, who's been quiet for now, you know, close to, to a decade. Um, decade or more. So, you know, being able to apply all of those lessons, again, I, I have lucked out because I literally was able to take a, a lesson or, or a skill set with me. Yeah. No, you're talking about building up these, I don't know, these nuggets of wisdom at each stop uh, and then applying, well, building up knowledge and then applying it will become the wisdom. Uh, and I right. think that's great because that 
some people get lost in where they're at because they're looking too far ahead. And, uh, you know, we talked earlier about, you know, off, off air about the long game. You want to play the long game, you better be looking to be more wise as you go along and learn as you're going yeah. on. And I think that's, uh, that's part of what you're saying. And I like what you said, you know, find out where they're, why they're there to begin with. You know, I think most of us know why people are at Pepperdine because of the view, but you know, that, that, <laughs> that's secondary obviously, but you think about it like, yeah, every coach out there listening has to, should really ponder that concept. Why are they here to begin with? Are they here because they felt they could make a difference are they here because this was the best offer they were going to get? Are they here because they didn't qualify for anything else? Are they here because they felt like they could pull one over on me and I seemed ignorant? Like, why are they here? What are you here? Are they right. trying to get away from an environment that's toxic? You know, yeah. there's, there's that too. You know, there's the kid that needs to just get out of their, their neighborhood because otherwise they're going to get stuck into something that they, they couldn't even imagine. So, and, and I think, I think the biggest lesson for coaches is don't go in any situation with a preconceived notion of here's what I'd like to do. Mm. Wow. Right. Because you, you got to evolve through the time that you are a place. Yeah. Um, you know, my, my, one of my mentors, you know, head coaches that I worked for, she always said, you know, if, if, if your standard or preconceived idea of what you're going to do is so high that if it's not meeting that you're always disappointed. Wow. And so grow into a position as opposed to diving in, because I mean, we've all been there, you know, you get disappointed because there might not be enough food on the table for your appetite. Mm. And so you got to kind of change your appetite or change the table. Right. Like don't, don't over, don't overstay your, your, uh, you know, your, your, your time at the table. So. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. No, I I like that a lot. Preconceived notions. That's kind of a human condition for a lot of people though. Very much. Right. That's kind of like we walk into it like, Oh, I know what I'm getting into. And I know what's going to happen after this because I've seen this movie before, you know, and yet that's not giving anybody necessarily the benefit of the doubt that's not fair to yourself either. And like you said, grow into the position. That's great. Right. That's great because that takes a lot of pressure off you. Unnecessary pressure, I should say. And it's, yeah, well, and it allows you to really see where you can fill in at a more natural mm, pace. Organically. Then, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Cause I mean, and I'm guilty of that. Right. And, yeah. and, but that's the, that's the forever lesson that you're trying to teach yourself is yeah. like, okay, Take a step back, assess, evaluate, and then, you know, problem solve a little bit. Find the solution of where, you know, that want and need it can, can be applied. Fantastic. Great stuff, Coach. Yeah. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm taking my notes, man. I've got, I've got <laughs> a half page already full of notes, so it's great. Now, I want to ask you, because we talked about this being, you know, post-COVID now. Here's a situation where we're we would see it in the tournament where a team had to drop out because of, you know, positive testing and all that. I would ask you, coach, because I'm always interested in, Hey, how did you keep people engaged? How did you keep your, your players focused? How did, how did you get through the season? Cause we, we talked about being one of the toughest seasons, if not the toughest season ever. How, how did you all as a staff, as, as individual coaches, keep players engaged and prepare for the season? 
Well, this was, I think the level or the spectrum of quote unquote toughness Mm -hmm. for any team was different based on where you're from, Mm. right? Because the things that were happening in Texas may not have been what was happening here in Southern California, right? simply because of, you know, the policies that are in place and just, you know, how states and governments were, were reacting to the virus. And so for us, it, it, it was harder in the sense of just, we didn't have our team from, from the moment we finished last year's tournament. We played in the semifinals. We got home on a Tuesday. Thursday, they told us that the tournaments can possibly, you know, be canceled. Friday was confirmation of those. The following Tuesday, we were all home. Wow. So it happened that yeah. fast. And then we didn't get our complete team back until the middle of fall. Mm. And so from, from the moment we, you know, sent them home to the moment we got them back, the engagement, obviously we all learned through zoom, through telephone calls, through text messages, you know, making sure that they're doing all right, because having to kind of isolate and stay within the four walls of your home. I mean, that was tough in itself, but then also how do you prepare for the next season? So we, we incrementally, you know, we, we kind of did that slow drip theory. Um, you know, we started with, you know, some of the offensive concepts, defensive concepts that we wanted to do. We started showing the bigger concept of how they fit into what we were wanting to do. Um, we, we had some breakouts, you know, unit breakouts, position breakouts where we were able to show, Hey, here's what we want to do defensively, offensively, um, just to kind of build up a camaraderie. With, with those units and the team, but in, like I said, in, in preparation of a season that we didn't know was going to happen. Yeah. And so when that came, when it became closer and more confirmed that, okay, here's our season, here's what it's going to look like. Then it was preparing them for, you know, preparation that none of us knew how to do, which is, you know, COVID testing three times a week, mm. traveling and then games being canceled, um, having to coach, but also hear coaches through masks and just the, you know, everything was just different. And so for us, we just focused on, you know, obviously the relational side of what we wanted and and what we were trying to build here because our first class was coming in and and it was a big one, you know, it, it out, it outnumbered our returners. So, you know, we were, we were having to focus on, you know, the team building, the culture building at the same time we were, we were trying to implement the X's and O's, you know, so it was tough, but, but I think, you know, I think it's a success that, you know, our kids got the experience to play. We made it through a complete season. Um, and now we're looking forward to probably our first while being here going into our third season, our first off season to work with our kids. Yeah. Uh, so, so we're, we're excited for that, but yeah, last year it, it was, it was tough on, on that scale. Yeah, no credit to coach Dowling yourself and the rest of the staff for, for really having to navigate through those, like you said earlier, kind of about like, you know, California state policies that were kind of inhibiting and maybe rightfully so the contact, the time together, uh, you know, cause there's some States like the one I live in that, you know, it's pretty much do whatever you want at the end of the day. And, right. <laughs> you know, some things are just, you know, some other states too had that had a pretty, I guess, I don't say lax approach, but just took a different approach. 
And so, yeah, to try to actually get a group of people together and get them on the same page within a short amount of time, that was really asking a lot. It was not impo- yeah. It's not impossible, but, you know, it's, it's a lot to ask. So that's great that you guys were able to, you know, kind of manufacture something, you know, make lemonade out of lemons because that's what everybody had to do this season. Yeah. And and that's the thing. Everyone did. Right. And everyone's looks different. Mm -hmm. Um, but at the same time, I think the, the biggest thing is we, we really tried to position our way, um, to match what our players needed Nice, as opposed to just do this blanket thing that other people were doing. Cause you know, in, in LA County, in California, it just, it had to be different, you know? So we yeah. tried anyways, we tried, yeah, we tried no. to try our best. Yeah. When you think, <laughs> yeah. When you think about the players, uh, needs, uh, over your once to a degree, I think you find success, whether you, yeah, whether you, totally. win a, whether you win a whole lot of games or not, uh, those, That's right. the, the experience is going to be top notch. The experience is, it's like what uh, my Angelo, she said, you know, people are going to forget what you said, forget what you did, but they'll never forget how you made them feel. Exactly. And that, to me, that speaks volumes to just, like we talked about earlier, building relationships, human interaction, affirmation, love, uh, oneness, uh, team, the team concept, geez, you know, team sports. Well, right. And, and, and I think that's something everybody listening can really understand, you try to hold on to, is understand what your players need. And that's going to take you a long way. Now, I want to talk about leadership because it's, you seem like the, one of the right people to be talking to about leadership. So I want to ask you, what was one of the most important leadership components uh, that you guys had to exercise during that time? Well, I, I think it was probably the communication mm-hmm. and, and, and continuing the, the relationship building that we did for the recruits right? Because they, they had a, a year of getting to know us through the phone. Yeah. Um, and now that had to continue through, through a web camera, um, <laughs> as they were coming into our program. And, but the same is true with our returners. I mean, they were our number one, they were number one on our recruiting list was that first team. Um, and so, again, continuing that relationship building process. So I think in terms of leadership, it was more, you know, coach Dowling just understands that, or, or it's not that she understands it. She is this where I want to make sure my players are exactly where they need to be. And, and, and the environment matches what they need. Mm. And so that's, that is what we, we obviously tried to do. And in understanding that it allowed us to more freely set that environment up. And so I think that, I mean, leadership, that's kind of a, I mean, it's a bigger word, right. But, but we wanted to kind of narrow it down towards continue the relationship building process because, you know, this was our first class coming in and it, it just, it had to be. Yeah. I love what you said there to set the environment to what your players need. Like I know everybody has a system and everybody has a culture, but if your culture hasn't been all that you want it to be, maybe you should 
try that approach. Or if your culture yeah. hasn't been successful and people don't like it for you, maybe you should change it up. And I think that's a good one to adopt, you know, yeah. or maybe you just need something extra to what you're doing. That's so great. And you're not doing that. You should probably do it. <laughs> yeah. So, well, and, and for us, our culture is still establishing itself, yeah, right? Yeah. Culture's long-term. That's the sure. long view. And, and going into a first full off season that was just smacked up against a, a global pandemic. I mean, it, it was the focus for us to continue that building towards a culture that we're wanting. Um, but also obviously the, the leadership of, of coach Dowling understanding that the environment has changed. So we have to change. Yeah. And it's, and it's a time of learning by virtual, by virtue of surviving. Yeah. Like, right. We got to, we, I don't I don't know how we're going to get through this week. We were just in survival mode, but we can still learn through this process. And it'll expedite the learning process in a lot of ways where we took a lot of things for granted until we had a stoppage until, right. until life called a real timeout. And we were like, Whoa, hold up. You know, I, I love going to the park now. I didn't love that before to be quite honest. Yeah. Right. I, 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 Same I here. My kids, Same you know, here. my kids hardly ever rode their bikes that we bought them. They were still <laughs> shiny and brand new and yet they were out on their bikes every day. That's right. And, and yeah. so there's this, you know, life. and now they're asking for it. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Right. And just like players, coaches, yeah. even kids, they don't know what they don't know, but exactly. once they know it, okay, now you got to feed them. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I love that whole idea of setting up your environment based on what your players need. That's to me, that's, uh, that's gold. And so, yeah, I, I made a big note of that. It's fantastic, man. Now mental health, because of all the stoppages, because of all the irregularities, within the scheduling and people's just people's lifestyles were just stopped. And, and even though young people have the, the, the escape of social media and YouTube and all the other fun things, the TikTokery uh, of life, uh, how important was the mental health piece for you all as a team, you know, for yourself and even as a staff? Well, I, I think it's, it was number one wow. it, and it had to be because we were experiencing something none of us have experienced yeah. ever. Yeah. And whether it was acknowledged or not, the assumption is mental health had to be our number one mm. Yeah. because you no know, one likes to be constrained, right? We don't yeah. want to be told naturally you can't do that. <laughs> right. I mean, we know with yeah. kids, Right. Yeah. Players too. I don't want you shooting this shot. And then what, what, okay, I can prove it. I can hit that shot. Right. That's what yeah. the players think. But, yeah. but now this is more of a life thing. This is a human thing. And, um, it was different because we're telling our kids throughout the season, you know, we got to test three times a week and that's, that's going to wear on you. But also we don't want you getting off campus when the ocean, the beach, something so, you know, calming is right there. Yeah. We had to say, you got to be careful. Yeah. And so going back to the, again, four walls for the majority of your day, if it doesn't affect you that way and asking all of these and ones to our players, I mean, we had to assume. And so we, it was constant for us to ensure that 
the, you know, our resources that Pepperdine gives us, that the athletic um, department gives us, that we continued pushing towards our kids, again, whether they acknowledge it or not, use it or not, that it's there for them. Mm. And that we are there for them. And again, it, it was just something that we continued uh, through from the summer, which is just continue that conversation, continue the relationship building so that those players are confident that, that we are there. Yeah. No, Players First program does things like that. When, when, when you yeah. understand that, you know, even like we spoke about earlier, there's no kids, there's nobody to coach. If there, right. if there are no student athletes, uh, there's nobody to present to the rest of the world on our behalf what our institution is about. And that's just, that's fantastic to know that you, you're intentional about it. You take the time and, uh, here again, not, not results based. Cause you can, you can make a young person smile real quick. Uh, but inside there might be something different going on. Right. And, and I think that's truly understand, trying to understand people, not know everything they're thinking, but just having empathy and understanding, you know, who they are. And so kind of leads me to my next question because we, we not only experienced this pandemic during those times as like something that was life altering or life changing, but for a lot of young people, they saw what was going on with social justice, social injustice, all kinds of things, racism, uh, to a degree that maybe they hadn't seen before, or maybe they thought yeah. of as some kind of theory. Now all of, all of a sudden kind of fleshed itself out and maybe freaked them out. So I, I know you were asked to be part of the Women's Basketball Coaches Association Social Justice Task Force. Could you kind of talk to us about what your role is with that and, and the kind of initiatives that you guys were uh, kind of coming up with and implementing? Yeah, this was one of the most, um, in, in everything that I've done in my professional life, I was it was such an honor to be asked to be part of a group that, Literally from our first call, basketball was stripped away. Mm-hmm. And the brilliance of the minds in that room, the experiences of that room, um, and I'm talking, you know, the, the task force itself and all the members and what we were trying to do, it, it was it was where the heart was. Mm-hmm. Now, now, granted, everyone's mind was there because they saw it on TV, they felt it, but I don't know if everyone's heart was there, mm-hmm. right? And and, yeah. and I think to be able to represent Pepperdine, to represent our team, to represent, um, again, my heart and where it's at, it it was such an honor. And and obviously the task force is something that, you know, big organizations, they can't move as quick as some of the committees and task force that, that they create. Right. And so this task force was created so that we could answer the call right away on social justice and, and race relations. And, and so we did our work and, and we, we dove in, we wanted to ensure that the organization, the WBCA is well represented in the sense of being on the right side of history, uh, which we knew we were going to get there anyways. Right. But how were we going to get there? We adopted and supported the Bill Russell rule that the West coast conference adopted, um, as a starting point, not a finishing point as a starting point. And, and we got to get there before we can get further. And so that was a good start for us. And, and we're, we're continuing our work as the, you know, getting legislation and policy and, and support for that legislation and policy um, to ripple through the, the NCAA's members 
um, and just the conferences. And so this is a constant thing. And, and what I was most, I think, proud of, not so much me, you know, being asked to be part of that task force, but we had a player, Jada Milpas, um, Rufus Milner, who, oh my gosh, she led our team in these tough conversations and advocacy. And, um, you know, we, we recruited, I mean, we have a, we have a philosophy of recruit the locker room first, yeah. not the court. Right. Yeah. And so we started, I mean, we recruited this first class and they were having these amazing conversations with each other and taking part in demonstrations. And they came up with a beautiful shirt that we were able to implement, uh, you know, before games. And I mean, that to me, you know, being someone who's obviously an adult and has my own opinion, but to see a young life, you know, 18 to 22, 23 year old, be able to now have an opinion on where they want to take their lives and their story and their voice. It, it was such a beautiful thing to, to be able to promote and support and advocate for. And, and, you know, our team really, they, they are the unsung heroes in this whole thing because their names rarely get called, but you know, I, I, I do it because of them. Fantastic. You know, you, you, you brought up something about the West coast conference and, you know, uh, Gloria Nevarez, she was the, she's the first Latina division one commissioner. And that was, that's right. That was kind of like, the big, big, big deal. And then to adopt or to, to, to bring in, you know, the Bill Russell rule, like a lot of, there was a lot of traction that took place and, and I hope and I pray that it continues. And I, right. and it's great for, for that conference in particular to be the forerunners in it, because I think the rest of the, the country can learn. Uh, That's right. You know, cause there's, but they, but they got to take it further, Yeah, you, you know, know, and, no, and they sure. got to push the element, but you're right. I, I think, you know, our commissioner is leading. I, I think she is unafraid. For sure. And to have 10 presidents and athletics directors um, from all across, it was, it's not from one state, right? From all yeah. across the Western side of, of the United States to come together and say, this is it. As a beginning, let's go with it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that to me, that's beautiful. That, that's what policy should should work, right? Like, Yo, hey, yeah. here's what's happening. Here's <laughs> here's the answer or solution, solution, and we are going with it, right? Yeah. And and it, I wish there was more more to that. Well, I think politicians can learn. We're not just the only lifelong learners on this planet. I think that's right. politicians <laughs> can, do, can do the same and yeah. uh, and follow suit because. When you, I don't know, I don't want to get on a soapbox, but it's my show. I guess I can. Um, I, I think the more time you prolong the solutions or you prolong a decision of any kind, it just gives time to festering of ill will, ill feelings. Yeah. Uh, the sense of that, I guess your silence can also be an indicator that maybe you don't care. Uh, dragging your feet can be a sign of that. Do you, do you really care about the situation or you just wanted to come out and say something because everybody else was jumping on this, this yeah. issue. And I think like you're saying, when you can be a part of a group that says, no, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to come up with solutions and we're going to apply some of these as maybe a remedy or as a step to a remedy or 
however we're however we're going to get this done, let's just do something. We can't that's right. do nothing. Uh, and so that's great, man, because that, it that really does mean a lot for me. Me as a minority myself, like man, there's a lot of things that I, I I probably wax about too much. You know, I'm like, ah, oh, why this? Why that? Why you know? And and it's sometimes it's like it's not necessarily that I need to answer to the why. I just would like to see people taking action to 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 change some issues. And when that's done, I feel like people are really considering others in life. And that's it's a beautiful thing, like you said. Now, I want to ask you about your support system because I know every coach goes through their ups and downs of a season, sometimes more downs than ups, quite honestly. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. you know, some seasons don't always go the way we hope. But, you know, regardless, we go home to a support system. We have a support system in our lives that means a whole lot. So well, how important is your support system, Coach? Well, it, one, it's, it's very important, right? And, and to, you, to, to exactly what you just said, I mean, there are a lot of ups and downs, and, and that is sometimes not defined, right? Yeah. There's emotional up and downs. There's physical up and downs. There's, you know, obviously the work that you do ups and downs, you know, wins and losses for us or whatever the case may be. But, you know, I have, I have an amazing wife. I married up. It was probably the best <laughs> recruit that I've ever signed. Nice, um, nice. You know, and, and, you know, so she's great. She's not really, I mean, she has her role. I mean, talk about saving the world. I mean, she's an epidemiologist. Mm, um, wow. Her work right now is, is running. She's a director of a task force that is uh, eradicating AIDS in five wow. years. I mean, that's, that's the wow. goal. And so, yeah, I mean, she's well represented. Why am I, why am I and, talking to you now? That's what, <laughs> you know, and, and you know, I, I, yeah. I, I had that same thought as I'm saying this and I'm like, should I call for her right now? But no, like, but, but it's great because we don't get, we, I don't have to go home and talk basketball. Right. 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 Like she, yeah. she allows me to switch my mind to more, um, like not, not more important. Cause I think what I do is important. It's more, I get to shift my attention to, to what her work is to right, our two right. boys who, who need the attention and the, the energy and all that. So I, you know, it's more of this like compart compartmentalizing, right? Mm -hmm. Like when you get home, it's like, okay, I'm going to shelve this feeling. Then I could sit on it and, yeah. you know, understand it better and, and not face it right now. But then bam, I, I have my wife, I have my boys, I have my family, extended family, um, you know, obviously living in Southern California, like you can't be pissed that long, <laughs> right? When you get to see right, the ocean right, and just, right. you know, when we get a foot of sunshine every day, it, it's, it's nice. nice, you know? And so, but, but, but it's also perspective, yeah, you know? Yeah. And, and so I, I, I rely on them a lot and, and, you know, even at a, a micro level for basketball, I mean, our staff is amazing, mm -hmm. you know, and we're, we're so tight and, we're there for each other. We all have the big picture in mind. Um, and so it makes it easy to go through the ups and downs of the current and not let it affect the wider lens. Yeah. So That's fantastic, Coach. You're saying a lot that I think uh, some people, when they think of the coaching profession, they're thinking, I want to be on TV. I want to wear the suit <laughs> or, right. or, or, or now the polo. Uh, I, I just, I want that. I don't know that attention and the panage of it, but when you realize you're getting all that goes into it, you better have a good support system. And, right. And again, you're talking about staff, you're talking about extended family, your wife, Michelle, 
your two boys, Luciano and Florencio. Like, you come home to them, and it's almost like whether you won or not, it's a good day. You know, you're, yeah. you're, you're all together. Hey, well, it's a good day. Yeah, we won by 50. Hey, we won our conference tournament. Hey, we're going to the dance. But my kids are here. My wife's here. It's a good day. Uh, right. You know, those are the perspectives you need and the support you need and how they all just work in concert to make you a better person, you know, or to help you understand yeah. where you need your improvements and and how maybe you're good already in something that you thought you weren't. You know, I didn't know. I didn't, I didn't realize I was good. Like always ask a, the people you should ask about who you really are is your, your support system. Ask them, am I, do I listen to you? Am I a jerk? You know, what, who am I? And so great stuff. There's man. a great, there's a great book and, I, and I'm going to, uh, I hate bringing up things and not knowing <laughs> everything, <laughs> but I don't know who wrote it. Um, but the power of who, mm. and the whole concept is, you know, a lot of times we don't rely on the inner circle wow. enough because we don't want to, it, it's almost like, and this is my, my interpretation and, and just what I got out of it. It's like that, that filtered life of social media. Right. And, and that's yeah. what we, we play the hardest with our inner circle because we don't want to lose their support yet. Their support is based on something so rooted, so deep that we will never lose their support. Mm. Or when we need the help, we never go to the closest circle. We go to the ones that may play towards what we want to hear. Yeah. Right. Or, yeah. or things like that. And it, it's a great book to read quick read. Um, but, but I think it's just that like you, whoever's in your inner circle and I've got some great friends, obviously amazing family, a great staff that I have been able to lean on, not just when I need it, but also lean on because they might've needed to someone to lean on. Yeah. Right. And so we're all supporting each other in ways that I don't know if, if it's really able to measure, mm. you know? And yeah. so I agree with you. Yeah. No, wholeheartedly. the power of who you already know everyone you need to know. That's the name of the book by Bob, yeah. Bo by Bob Bodine. That's there that, it is. Yeah. Yeah. No, you, you just the, the, the whole, just the name of the book alone. You already know everyone you need to know. Like we live in a society where it's like network, 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 you know, yeah. it's, 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 okay. Who, who do I got to know to do this? And, and this is what a lot of coaches have told me. Hey, Mike, it's not about who, you know, it's about who knows you. And, and that, mm. and that applies to that circle too. Like yeah. the people who really know you can help you. Not just the, not just the coach at the high major division one, or this is the, it's part of a search firm. Like, yeah, that helps that they know you too. But how about that person that you, 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 you go to bed with every night, but that, those, those little ones that are running around, you're the pitter patter of their feet, you know, up and down right. the stairs. Uh, you know, the little, the young, the young people that you look into their eyes every day that know you uh, consider them and, and consider asking them about who you really are and get their, right, feedback. Exactly. their feedback will really matter. Great stuff, man. I, we, we're going deep today, man. I love it. Uh, now, now we're going to get real deep because I know you're going to go somewhere with this, but why do you do what you do every day? Well, it's all for me. It, it is. Uh, and, and I love, I love this question because it should go deep. Yeah. Right. And, and, and something that's not in a stat sheet, but you know, I do it simply for the love of, being able to build such a strong relationship 
mm-hmm. with a coworker, with a player that I can help them achieve what they want to achieve. Nice. Nice. And you know, it, it, it always comes down to, you know, like I said, we, we have that philosophy, like we're going to recruit the locker room. And if we can fill that locker room with the like-mindedness, then no matter what that relationship means to the outside world, it means exactly what it needs to mean in that room. Mm. And, and I think that is such a powerful motivator for me that, you know, I'm inspired by the smallest things then. When, when our kids say, wow, like I'm having fun. Yeah. Like something so small, right? Like, no, you should have fun. Like people would say, <laughs> yeah, but it's not always fun. Right. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, like sure. Things like that. And, <laughs> and, you know, so I, and I've been fortunate that, you know, I, I've aligned myself with, with the right people, with the right, um, experiences that, you know, it, it, they have taught me the the power of a relationship and what it could mean to, you know, running a play, mm-hmm. setting a screen, getting through a tough, you know, an 0 and 29 season. Um, you know, the, the power of that relationship is just, it, it, it just sets ripples across everything else that you can do. And, and really it, it's what, what drives me every day. Wow. I like what you said about aligning yourself with the right people. I think we don't do that enough. I yeah. think I think we <laughs> we align ourselves with fantasy more than we do the right people who can help our dreams come true. And, right. And that's not necessarily somebody who can do it for you. But here again, I think it ties into what you said as well, helping others to achieve what they want to achieve. Like I've always known that if I help another person fulfill their goals, their destiny, their vision, somehow, some way in turn, they or someone else will help me to, to do the same with mine. And it's a beautiful thing, man. Great stuff. Really good stuff. Now, I want to ask you about yourself because you're probably always teaching. You know, you just you just did a TEDx talk, which is that's humongous. Big time stuff. Now. I want, yeah, I want to learn from you, coach. Like, what have you learned about yourself throughout your career? Well, I, I think the, the probably the most important thing is to always adapt and evolve. Mm. Um, evolve, obviously, as as a person, mentally, physically, emotionally, but but evolve also just as a thought leader. Mm. Um, not be so, and, and I think we all get into the game and then we have these like, this is, this is who I want to be. And <laughs> this is what I want to do, you know, all this. And, and a lot of times you figure out like, well, maybe that wasn't the most important thing to do. Yeah. And, and I think what I've found is that, you know, I've again been very lucky to be raised by amazing parents, um, cultivated and stewarded by, uh, the right mentors and teachers and friends that, you know, I, I think I've, you know, I've just learned to kind of evolve with it. And, and I think that allowed me to take positions that, um, maybe, or, or be in situations where I was able to come out quicker, yeah. uh, than, than others or come out, um, stronger, 
than I did previously simply because I was able to, you know, rely on, on that trust, obviously in, in the Holy spirit, you know, higher up, but also trust that the body of work has prepared me for whatever situation, you know, I'm finding myself in. Yeah. It's kind of like what you talked about earlier about all your stops and what you learned prepared you to be confident as well. And, and all your, all the wisdom you acquire, all the life experience you acquire, all the disappointments that you learn from to bring you to a place of adapting and evolving. Like that's human growth. Like that's super like here again, talk about the Holy spirit. That's super reliance on something else that you say, I'm going to humble myself and I'm going to realize that my strength is in giving in and giving up to these things and saying, where I'm weak, I need something else to be strong. And where, right. and where, and where my strengths are, yeah, I'm going to put my, my, the pedal to the metal. But where I'm weak, I know I can still be strong because I'm not going to just rely on me. I'm going to rely on, on my past experiences. I'm going to rely on other things. And that's great, man. That's real. Like here again, that's real human growth. And I think more people need to kind of adopt those, uh, I don't know, that mindset, that growth mindset. That's real growth mindset. Some people think growth mindset's about, you know, just opening yourself up to different opportunities. Like, no, nah, that's kind of being an opportunist. Um, I think growth, right. a growth mindset, right. a growth mindset is really allowing yourself to say, I'm not perfect and I'm okay with that. But mm-hmm. where, and, and where I need help, I need to seek it out, seek solutions, seek answers. And where I don't find answers, I, re- I rely on something else. Then I don't, I don't, right. I have a source. And wherever that source is, is going to kind of guide me. And as I'm guided, I'm going to learn more and more and more and then come to these realizations and epiphanies and have these uh, paradigm shifts that will cause me to be better and here again evolve. So that's great, man. Really, really, really good stuff. Now, my last question, Coach, is always about legacy. And and I know you still got some time. I'm not trying to tell you, hey, yeah, that's it, Coach. Later. <laughs> it's time to oh, go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hope you enjoyed your, your swan song, you know. It's all right. good. But I think here again, I I see things from the, from a lens of like, how am I treating people? How am I going to get to that place where, at the end of my career, I will have like emptied my cup, I will have poured everything out on all the people that I impacted, maybe even upset, <laughs> but still was in the right mind of trying to help them and had the right heart in it all. So I would ask you, Coach, what would you want to be said of you when your career is all said and done? Oof. See, again, you, I mean, that that's deep, yeah. right? And I think it, a part of it is, is what you just said, um, you know, that, that I wasn't perfect, but I ran through the line. Mm. And, and hopefully that is, you know, what former players, former coworkers, um, you know, hopefully my wife, my kids, my, you know, friends that, you know, a a lot of times we've seen it, right? Like kids pull up or they, they downshift right before it. Right. And, and we always try to teach our kids run through it, you know, go beyond. And I just hope I've done that in the relationships that I've built in, um, you know, how, I treated people, 
but also, you know, that learning aspect that, that I tried to go, you know, past the line in learning and, and everything else that, that I touched. Wow. Coach Rosario, I appreciate your time, man. I really do. I thank you for coming on and spending some time and making some time to be with us. It's really meant a lot. And I, I would just thank you for, for obviously being the storyteller you are and, and allowing myself and, and the great work that you're doing, allowing players to players, coaches and players mm-hmm. um, to, to tell their story, you know, and I think within that story, you're, you're going to get a really, you know, cool data source that, that I would love to know mm-hmm. when this is all said and done. Yeah. No, coach, I appreciate you saying that with all the notes that I've taken, I could probably write a book as well. That's how much, that's how, you know, I hear people say nuggets, yeah. all, nuggets all the time, right? Like nuggets of wisdom. And I got some nuggets and some sauce. Like that's how much, that's how many nuggets I've had. It's been so good and so great. And, and it's, and it's been one of these things where I like to bring coaches on like yourself to honor you and honor the work you do. Uh, but at the same time, I'm being blessed in, in all the information and all the knowledge and all the wisdom uh, so that I can, I can, I can go on and seem like I'm a better human being every day. Cause all of a sudden I've taken on a certain perspective that I didn't have before. And so it, it, it really is a, a real blessing for me as well. So here again, man, I thank you. No, thank you. And, and I look forward to, to doing the great work with you. Right on.